Hello and welcome to Paper Boys, the podcast where we unravel the research papers behind the latest major headlines in science. My name is Charlie and I'm here with my faithful co-host James. Happy to be on this episode with you, Charlie. I like how you're very careful not to say here with you. Well, you know, given the circumstances. In these trying times. What do you have for us this week? So I have uh, a paper that I was so amped for, and then I read it and it was like very difficult to understand. Oh, no. It's one of those ones. What's the topic? What got you so excited about it? Okay, so the topic is a meteorite that was discovered on Earth that came from Mars. The trifecta. It's got everything. And it was discovered in Antarctica, where penguins live. Penguins and the polar ice cat. Well, yeah. The polar ice cat. The penguins are more interesting to me. (laughs) (laughs) I've been on this Arctic kick lately. Oh, yeah. You've been reading some book that you keep telling me about. Yeah, just perilous wait, you know, what wait tell me more it's uh this expedition in 1881 to try to find the northwest passage to the north pole let me just say they were very wrong about their assumptions <laughs> about what the north pole is like <laughs> okay i'm assuming it went really well and that's why they wrote a book about it no <laughs> okay <laughs> like the polar opposite of went really well oh i see what you did there yeah i see what you did there Ah, I (laughs) literally see what you did there. Um, Fascinating book. Puts a lot into context. But um, I think my biggest takeaway is that we've learned a lot since the late 19th century when people thought that the North Pole might be a temperate Mediterranean climate. No way. True. Fact. Wow. It explains why they thought that Santa lived up there. Yeah, if I was Santa and I would live at the North Pole, like be left alone in this nice Mediterranean climate. Yeah. But that is not what is up there. Be a nice vacation spot. No. Ugh. So, a uh, lot of great elements in this okay. paper itself. Did, like. did they find any meteorites in the Northwest Passage? No. But, you know, reading about the Arctic and then, like, Googling a bunch of stuff about the Arctic, I was reading about expeditions in the Antarctic that search for meteorites in yeah. the ice. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a, a thing, I guess. It's because, like, like uh, it preserves whatever falls there, pretty much. That's so cool. I think it's, it's the same reason we talked about on the episode that you did about um, the supernova dust in the ice. Was that me or you? I think that was your episode. I think that was mine. Because <laughs> I think the tie-in again was like, oh, Antarctica, penguins. Yeah. We've probably made all these jokes before. Yeah. Uh, but they're, they're still good. Well, for new listeners, they'll appreciate it. <laughs> Old listeners, we apologize. Uh, no, so this paper, interestingly, like the reason I got amped is because I was like, oh, cool. A meteorite that came from Mars, landed in Antarctica. I start reading. I find out this meteorite was discovered in 1984. Mm -hmm. So, like, this has already been around. You know, it's old hat by now. (laughs) Uh, Oh, does the meteorite have, like, a specific name? Like, oh, N14836? (laughs) Talk to me when you've gotten to N14387. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, No, it does have a specific name. It's called Allen Hill's. Eight four zero zero one. Oh, okay, that's way better. Yeah, uh, but you know, you can just call it like the Allen Hills meteorite because that's where it was discovered. Was in the Allen Hills region of Antarctica. Have you met my buddy Allen? So I thought that it was like named after the person who discovered it or something. But yeah. No, it's named after hills, which are named after the person who discovered those hills. <laughs> okay. So John Allen, not to be confused. John Hills, not to be confused with the. With the, the geographic hills. yeah uh no Sorry, so, it was a paperboy's deep cut yeah no it, it kind of sounds like um 
a teen drama show. You know, like Beverly Hills, 90210. Oh, yeah. Like Orange County. Yeah. Allen Hills. Allen Hills, 84001. <laughs> One of the hottest zip codes <laughs> in Antarctica. Yeah. Sarah Michelle Geller is going to be appearing. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. No. Okay. All right. Enough joking around. Let's get serious, James. Into the science. So why are they talking about the Allen Hills meteorite? That was the we, question. We know we've been working on this thing since 1984. Yeah. Uh, so it's like obviously really important to study rocks like this because you know i mean we're currently sinking billions of dollars into trying to return samples from mars to study them because it'll tell us all about uh the surface chemistry and mars's history and you know the same kind of information we can glean from studying rocks here on earth Mm -hmm. so we have this meteorite that came from mars like that's basically our sample return that's we can do study on that let's do what engineers do best be lazy and Use as much, as little energy as possible to get what's already here. Exactly. Yeah. Who needs a rover? Let the planets do the sample recovery. Yeah. So this meteorite came from a rock that was formed uh, about 4 billion years ago on Mars. Whoa. And then uh, they believe that it was knocked off of Mars 17 million years ago. So knocked off in the sense like something impacted Mars and shot it out with a lot of energy? I, I believe so, yeah. They okay. just say, like, it was ejected from Mars at that time. <laughs> like, I, I assume that's the only way that a rock can leave a planet. Like, they don't just spontaneously jump. Well, I mean, aliens. Well, well, that's that's where the paper comes in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Uh, no, so it was knocked off the planet 17 million years ago, and then uh, they think that it fell to Earth about 13,000 years ago. Wow. Okay. That's so cool. Like, humans may have seen it. Well, I guess yeah. at that point, Antarctica probably did not have people. <laughs> That's true. But the penguins probably saw it. Yeah. The velociraptor fossils probably saw it. There used to be (laughs) raptors. And Arctic used to be tropical. Oh, really? There were like, I think there used to be like raptors. At least I saw this like, you know, depiction of what Antarctica used to look like during Pangaea. And there's like velociraptors and like palm trees and stuff. Yeah. They probably like those fossils are probably actually like penguin skeletons. (laughs) <laughs> and like they you know horribly misinterpret what their outer body looks like this is vicious velociraptor and you're like no this is like a it's chubby a big friendly fat penguin. waddling penguin um so anyway where this paper comes in is they are doing a really detailed study of the composition of this meteorite okay so rock from mars lands here thirteen thousand years ago it's a very old rock stuck in the ice we found it in 1984 we're analyzing it to learn something about the initial composition of Mars and the solar system. But is this paper just revisiting this Allen Hills meteorite then? Like a sample from it? So, okay, this is why I say that like the paper ended up not being as exciting as I was hoping. Uh-huh. The result is very important. What I'll say up front is the result. They demonstrate for the first time the presence of nitrogen-bearing organic compounds found in situ in like a microscopic analysis of this meteorite wow okay so long story short what they did is they broke off a couple of like grains of these um carbonate minerals that are in this meteorite Mm -hmm. they uh they did this technique called well they did this technique discovered these nitrogen bearing compounds which tells us a lot about like the which tells us that there was organic material on mars four billion years ago and then it formed in like an ocean oh wow yeah so that's all really exciting it's a really cool result but the reason why it didn't like 
you know, really jazzed me up reading this paper is that I think that we mostly kind of knew that already. And this paper basically just kind of like puts the final nail in to say that's all true. This is like your 990 pieces through your thousand piece puzzle. And it's like, okay, throw another piece in. It's an important piece. Yeah. You know. They come in and they do, and they do, you know, the, the all blue sky region of the puzzle. Yes, you it's know, not it's, it's tough, it's tough to put those colors all together, but you know, someone's got to do it. Yeah. So not to not to take away anything from this paper. I mean, and you know, it's, it's published in Nature. Like it's really good science. Yeah, and me, also right? like this is probably just my complete misinterpretation of the significance of these results. Mm-hmm. Like it's probably it's probably so much more than that. It's just that in the paper itself, like they kind of understate the results. Like they're basically oh. like in this paper, like we've demonstrated for the first time. Uh, the presence of this specific thing, specifically using this technique of, you know, this specific scale. It's just like, it seems like there's a lot of caveats. And you're like, oh, well, so what? But then you read the news about it and you're like, oh, I see. This is why I it's see. important. Yeah. I see. That's why podcasts like this exist. Yes. So what the news was saying, live science says scientists discover evidence of ancient nitrogen-rich Martian groundwater hiding into Antarctica. Hmm. Fox News says, was Mars once blue? Meteorite discovery sheds light on red planet's early history. Uh, I see what they did there with the color. The mm-hmm. contrast. Yeah. Uh-huh. Red, okay. blue. You know, typical Fox News. It's always a red versus blue with them. It's just, yeah, polar, black and white, red and blue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Vice says, a piece of Mars that fell in Antarctica contains ingredient for life, scientists discover. <laughs> aliens question mark (laughs) i know like i'm surprised that vice headline doesn't say like scientists find a blunt embedded in martian meteorite (laughs) new york post were people getting their smoke on in mars (laughs) four billion years ago no but we found a rock (laughs) yeah you also just gotta love the like just you know direct association of organic molecules and life like life immediately question mark like they immediately jump there yeah like yeah i mean on the one hand it's true it's it's true true. yes it is true and but on the other hand like we are now discovering like organic compounds are everywhere they're all over asteroids they're all over organic compound right yeah methane's an organic compound for example they're all over there are seas of methane (laughs) yeah exactly like i feel like the word organic kind of makes you immediately jump to a certain conclusion Mm -hmm. we need to sort of like recalibrate our response i mean and i I guess this is exciting because it means like these resources are out there across the solar system to create life right and we're finding that the conditions to support life are just more complex exactly like these are the things that were needed on earth in order for life here to start and it turns out they were also in other places and what this paper shows is that they formed during times that would have been pretty hospitable to life. Mm-hmm. So they're basically like just adding more evidence to the puzzle of like Earth having the right conditions for life is not necessarily unique. Mars probably had those conditions too. Yeah. Okay. Well, I feel like we've just danced around this paper. I know. I guess I should say what the paper is now. What is this paper? Um, well, I'm glad you asked, James. So the paper... It was published in Nature Communications. It's called In-Situ Preservation of Nitrogen-Bearing Organics in Noachian Martian Carbonates. Ooh, Noachian. That is not a word I've heard before. 
I hope that I'm saying it right, but um, I think it just refers to like a specific era in solar system development or in Mars's past, like okay. the Noachian period. Okay. Sort of like like the... the same way we have like a Jurassic period. Okay. Cool. Noachian. Uh, it just means the period of time that was four billion years ago. It's old. Yeah, I'm sure there's like very specific reasons why they have a definition for that period of time, but for our purposes, that's when it was. Okay, so if I'm looking at this title, I think sort of what I'm gathering, not to spoil this, but we've already spoiled the whole paper anyway. <laughs> so is this saying that it's interesting that there were nitri- nitrogen-bearing organics in a piece of rock that is so old? Is it saying that it's interesting to find this in a piece of rock from Mars or both? Or yes, so this? You, you correctly picked up on the in-situ preservation part of it, which is that not only did we find these nitrogen-bearing compounds in the rock, from that we can infer that they survived that entire time on Mars. Okay. So those organic compounds lived on Mars for billions of years without degrading. Wow. And I, I guess it's, yeah, and it's very recent that they arrived on Earth if it was only 13,000 years ago. Right. Right. And they were only knocked off of Mars 17 million years ago. So they basically, they were there from the time of their formation, 4 billion years ago, until essentially now in geologic time. Okay. So just to tease out this timeline, 17 million years ago, rock knocked off Mars. And then just chills floating through space for a long time and then hits Earth. I guess so. I mean, maybe it sat in an alien museum somewhere for a little bit of that time, but... Yeah, took a little break. Yeah, a little pit stop. A little pit stop. Like in Spaceballs when they're eating at like the the diner, in like the truck stop in space. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Get some fries real quick. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's pretty cool Like to find that and write a paper about it. Yeah. So how did they do it? So uh, I kind of I kind of mentioned it earlier, but what they did is they, they, they took like a sample of this rock that was at Johnson Space Center in Houston. And they just took like a piece of tape, stuck it on the rock and peeled it off. <laughs> and they got like, they got a couple of these little carbonate grains. And that's how you get a nature paper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and they're really small. Like the grains are, you know, on the scale of, you know, 100 microns or something like that. And then they did this technique called X-ray absorption near edge structure spectroscopy. It's like, there's an acronym for it, like microzanes or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. They just kept calling it that. Okay. Um, I'm going to butcher this, but the general idea is I think you bombard it with x-rays and uh, you, and then you see like what x-rays are absorbed. You basically then just take like a, a spectrum. Cool. So then you can see what is absorbed and what is uh, reflected back out. Okay. And so like depending on what's absorbed, it then emits photons, which can be measured at specific energies and wavelengths. And, and then you can, you know, infer what's inside. Okay cool uh what's the name of the technique again x-ray absorption near edge structure spectroscopy cool Hmm. so anyway this is another reason why the paper was like hard for me to read is because like i have found this with every paper that we've done about like meteorites or you know geology Uh i just don't understand rocks and chemistry it's just so confusing to me i know this it's like if you knew a lot about rocks this would be like 10 times more fascinating yes and i think that i would like have grasped the significance a little bit better that's fair i 
I will say, I think in another life, I would love to pursue like a PhD in spectroscopy. It's so cool. Oh man, that would be hard for me. Or like the like the physics of it, like Raymond spectroscopy and stuff. How mm. like materials respond. Yeah, I don't know. It's super interesting. Like, I'm gonna come back to radar again because I always talk about radar. <laughs> I knew this was coming. No, but like <laughs> the resonance of hydrogen and stuff, like absorbing uh, uh, near. It's like really close to 2.4 gigahertz. Huh. The resonance frequency. So what does that mean? <laughs> That's why radar in that they were trying to use like. In the Pacific theater of World War II, like in the jungle, didn't work well because it was so humid. Oh, interesting. And they're like, well, they were keep they kept trying to push it to a higher frequency because you get smaller wavelengths and better resolution, but it was getting like absorbed by water. And then a microwave Hmm. oven. Yeah, Uh, because it resonates with the water. Yeah. Huh. But, anyways. Okay. Anyway, we we got to do a bonus episode on radar someday. I think that we do. Like, that will be your magnum opus. <laughs> and then that's my swan song. And then I just... Uh, yeah. And grad school. and Yeah. Well, so one question I had. This is why I was, like, teasing out the timeline earlier. You mentioned the rock le- gets knocked off Mars 17 million years ago. It passes through space for, you know, basically 17 million years. <laughs> and then falls on Earth. But how do they know like what they're witnessing is still from mars because there's so much radiation and it lands in the ice on earth like is it contaminated at all yeah uh that's a good question they actually spend a good chunk of the paper talking about that so obviously yeah i mean like it just sitting on earth for thirteen thousand years it could be absorbing all kinds of material from the ice Uh uh-huh um so they do have a couple things that they I mean, so one way that they mitigate the possibility of contaminants is that they're working in a class 100 clean room, Mm -hmm. which is like absurdly clean. (laughs) Like 100 means there are fewer than 100 like foreign particles per cubic foot. Okay. So it's just like, it's like the cleanest air you can imagine. Like I think the lowest it gets is like 10 basically. Dang. Like the rooms where NASA is like building the rovers. You know, and you see the people walking around in, like, complete bunny suits with, like, masks and goggles. Yeah. Those are, like, class, you know, 10,000 or, or like, 100,000. Whoa. Okay. This is class 100. Okay. Damn. So, that's one way they mitigate this. And then they also talk about um, the technique that they're doing here really helps to ensure that what they're seeing is truly from Mars. Because they're looking at, like, this this micro Xanez technique allows them to actually look at the composition of the interior of these like micro scale grains so in theory that means that like the inside of the grain is like fresh material you know like it hasn't been exposed to anything else whereas previous analyses that they've done on this meteorite have been um, like destructive bulk techniques like they take a sample and then they analyze like the whole sample by you know so whatever's on the outside or the ins- it's like everything gets mixed together so right something like a mass spectrometer like or something like you it. crush it up and you th- put it through the machine and it tells you what's in there okay you know like like in that episode of spongebob you know plankton drops in the seaweed it's like 50 percent sea 50 percent weed <laughs> <laughs> that's all this is that's all spectroscopy really is yeah uh but so in this case they're not doing that in this case they're actually getting like a spectrum of what's on the inside of this grain okay that's cool and with, with the idea that that's more pure 
and less contaminated. Yes, exactly. And the actual carbonates that they detected inside this sample, um, they when they look at like what is the concentration of that in the Antarctic ice, like in this region where they found the rock, mm-hmm. they find that it's like you know thousands of times less than what would have been needed for the rock to have exhibited that much that they observed. Okay. Did that make sense? Say it one more time. Basically, like the the carbonates that they found, or like the yeah, these different compounds that they identified through their analysis mm-hmm. are things that basically don't exist in the Antarctic ice at a level where they could have been found in the sample. Okay. So that just sense. that alone, by seeing like these things that are unique to, you know, the Martian terrain and not to the Antarctic terrain. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be like if you... The odds of that are so small that you would find it in that quantity in the Antarctic. It's like, it's more likely that it came from Mars. Exactly. Like it, it would be it's just extremely improbable for the tiny concentration of it in the Antarctic ice to have gotten into this sample at the yeah. level that they detected. Okay. And interestingly, they actually like talked about how these previous analyses where they did like the bulk destructive techniques, they found these um, like amino acids and they were like, whoa, amino acids. And then they later realized like, oh, that's just, that just came from the Antarctic guys. Oh, damn. And actually I didn't get into this talking about this Allen Hills meteorite uh-huh. just to get a little derailed again. Uh, in 1996, there was actually a study where this group of scientists claims that they had they found evidence of fossils, like microscopic fossils in the meteorite. Really? Yeah. So they had oh, these like no. these like uh, microscope images of like these structures in in the in the meteorite that looked very much like bacteria. Yeah. And so they published all this stuff like we think this is we think this is fossilized bacteria. And it was this huge, like if Paper Boys had been around then, we would have done like multiple episodes on it. It was like this huge news thing. Whoa. Because they're like, well, we think we found life on Mars. Yeah. You know, the Wikipedia like emphasizes many times that like Bill Clinton made a speech about it, you know, but then they later found like many scientists were like very skeptical initially. And then lots more studies came out that basically said like, no, like there's a lot better explanations for this. Okay. It was kind of like the... A Muamua paper that came out and said this could be an alien spacecraft caused a huge hubbub and then a bunch more scientists came out over the next two years and were like no here's better explanations for everything that you pointed out yeah but I mean it brought up better explanations exactly yeah exactly so you know it's serves all, a all still good science yeah it serves a purpose but so I, I just I realized that I forgot to kind of bring that up and I thought that was kind of an interesting piece of the history of this meteorite well when we have a time machine we'll travel back and cover we'll do bonus episodes literally from the past whoa but that means they will have already i don't want i don't want to think about the, the implications <laughs> we got to go find those bonus episodes now <laughs> wait damn that means we won't be able <laughs> i know shoot to stephen hawking logic says that it won't yeah well but hold on but back to the future logic says that anyone traveling back in time will take Go to great measures to make sure that they don't screw up the future. That's true. That means that in the past, we were not supposed to record those bonus episodes. Marty McFly, Stephen Hawking. I don't know who to believe. Yeah. Something really bad happened when we recorded those episodes. (laughs) Someone took great pains to make sure we didn't. (laughs) Oh, evil assassins from future past. Anyway, I hope that answers your question about (laughs) about the potential contamination. Yes. The answer is no. They don't think it's contaminated. 
Okay. So all these organic compounds on Mars, you got to ask, how did it get there? So that is like the next big chunk of this paper is like they they basically propose like there's two ways it could have gotten there. Okay. One is that it formed in situ through a bunch of, you know, chemistry, geologic processes that I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one that was more interesting to me was that it could have come from meteorites, which kind of blew my mind a little bit to think like, oh, we found these organic compounds that came from Mars on a meteorite, but they originally got to Mars on another meteorite. And then it just made me think like, oh my God, all these rocks are just like spreading around the solar system, like germs, you know, like they're just sneezing. Yeah. Like we think of our, these, our planets all being so different, but really they're kind of sharing all the same material. Yeah. In the end, like, wouldn't it be cool if every time you sneezed, it was more like Saturn though, or is like an elegant (laughs) sneeze of like these beautiful rings that just persisted for a million years. Yeah. Instead of just like a spray of snot. Yeah. Like (laughs) the asteroid belt. (laughs) No one wants that. I know. Yeah. Talk. If you're, you know, some questions about the origin of coronavirus, I'm not pointing fingers, but. No one's talking about the asteroid belt. <laughs> Those damn space bugs. <laughs> so, anyways, um, so it may have come from Earth, bounced to Mars, and then came back. No, not come from Earth, but just like you know, we've found organic compounds on asteroids and comets. Like we know that they're out there. Okay. So, and we also know that, uh, especially early on in the planet's histories there was very high flux of meteors impacting uh impacting planets yep so there's they're just suggesting like this could have come to mars because it was because it was formed 4 billion years ago it could have come there at a time you know when meteors were impacting all the time uh okay so that's another possibility cool okay bunch of asteroids flying around yeah and it's really cool cuz like all this analysis basically lets them make a lot of really cool uh inferences about mars so because they know when it formed and now they know what is in it they can kind of figure out like well what conditions are required to form that and they know that it had to have been formed in like an aqueous solution so it's like water and uh it had to have been an environment that was favorable to organic matter Mm -hmm. and then because that organic matter persisted for four billion years they know that it had to have lived probably under the surface at a depth deep enough to uh, protect it from like cosmic radiation, mm-hmm. but also shallow enough that it would have gotten, gotten launched out by an impact. Whoa. So they can, they can really like make all these inferences. And then they also know that like based on the existence of the compounds and that, that certain things didn't break down, they can also infer that at no point in its entire history on Mars did it ever go above 40 degrees Celsius. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's insane. That part kind of blew my mind. That means it must have been so cold before it got ejected, right? Because like, well... So that's what I don't understand, is they say that, and they say like, oh, so at no point until it reached Earth's atmosphere, it never went above 40C. And I'm like, well, but then what about when it went through the atmosphere? Wouldn't those things have broken down? Is it just because it's the inside of it? Like... What we're seeing is the inside. Yeah, I don't know. And so this this brought up a whole another series of questions in my mind, which is like, 
when we look at the composition of meteorites, uh-huh. how do we suss out what changes it underwent when it flew through our atmosphere in a giant blaze of glory? Yeah. And you're then it's like, you're like, let me take all this crap, throw it in the microwave for a long time. I'm t- <laughs> That's like, that's my, yeah, that's my poor man's close experiment to it's like throw drop it in a the... furnace you know for <laughs> yeah for 10 minutes zap it and then uh yeah there's your end product so it kind of also got me thinking like have we truly characterized that or is that still kind of an open question in these types of studies and then it got me thinking we should start a company or just do a mission <laughs> i mean yeah i would start a company paper boys inc yeah no but we but we should do a mission where we take a rock of known everything known or we take you know one rock we break it in half we study it on earth one half and we take the other half up to space and then we shoot it out through the atmosphere and then we go collect that rock and study it that would be sweet like we have a known input and then we and then we you observe it and you watch you set it up so that it'll re-enter and hit antarctic ice yeah then you go find it and then you go find it yeah. Like, don't you think that that would be useful information? Yeah. I mean, it sounds kind of silly. So hard like, to... oh, we're just going to send a rock up to space, but. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of details that would have to be <laughs> fleshed out, but I love the idea. Okay. You think that'll be our company? Yeah. Space Rock? Wait, but couldn't you just, like, tape this to the side of a reentry vehicle? Like, one of the capsules? No. I mean, that would. I don't know. Maybe. Or, I mean, honestly, you could probably just, like, put it in a facility on Earth that replicates all this. It's not the same, though. But it's not the same. That's what I'm saying. You need you need the one sample to say it is the same. You need the gold exactly. standard. Exactly. We have no idea. That's my point. How do yeah. we know do what we... these rocks were like before they went through the atmosphere? We don't. The mystery continues. Yeah. I mean, well. the truth is we know because we've studied them in space. True. But, like, you know, for any given rock who knows but we've never done like the like the comparable asteroid study that we do with like mice all the time with the control we don't have a control yeah yes that's a great way of putting it that's that'll be the final that'll be the first and last slide in our pitch to nasa yeah we'll say where's Um, the control where's the control the fda would never approve this no i don't think so mostly because they'd say this is well outside of our jurisdiction <laughs> i mean they'll have their own they'll have their own reasons when they deliberate on about the case i say sirs i don't think you understand what the fda is is uh you know we've gone through a lot of different rabbit holes on oh this but God. it actually is the content of this paper is very interesting yes definitely the content of this episode not sure you can say the same eh. but that's actually like pretty much it i mean i, I think if I like understood a little bit more about like the science, like the geochemistry involved here, uh-huh. I would probably be able to dive into a lot more of like the meat of this paper. Um, but you know, sorry, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know enough about it. Uh, I gave it my best shot, and I think this still was like useful for me because, in the spirit of paper boys, there definitely it definitely highlighted like a difference between the news reporting on it. And what the paper actually was, in my mind. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. You know, like the 
the news articles were just very focused on like organic compounds, you know, potential for life and sort of maybe Mars it... was blue in the past. But like none of that stuff really even comes up here in the, the paper. It's very like narrowly focused on it's just it's very scientific, you know. This is that's an interesting point because that's something I've learned a lot about research and like academia and also just like reading about anything online. There's with a study, for example, it could be interesting because of its implications or it could be interesting because of its methods and, you know, its hypothesis and things like that. And they're not always the same. And the news media often treats them very differently. Yes, totally. Like, this one is cool. We've covered a lot of episodes like that. Like, the one that about does space radiation... Or is space radiation a reason that humans walked upright? And you're like, this whole paper is a space weather paper where they're analyzing like radiation in a certain period of time. And there's a paragraph that's like, and maybe this caused people to walk upright. And that's right. what everyone focused on. Yeah. And it's like, it definitely comes down to like, there's a really cool idea behind the science mm -hmm. or like there's a really cool execution of this science, you know? Yes. And it, yeah, you're like, wow you're studying the ancient history of Mars and it's like, well, I'm taking samples and I'm putting them in a spectrometer and I'm like, right. Like your real day to day is like, you're a chemist. It's very you know? different. Yeah. Right. And and that's what people don't, I, I mean, I, I, you and I probably both experience this with our own research too. I think you and I both mm -hmm. fall into the former camp of like, there's a really neat idea behind it, but the day to day implementation of it is very different from what people think. Yes. You know? Like, yeah. like your work is, I mean, I'm probably not even get this right, but your work is like tons of like just signal processing and like information theory and uh, circuit design, circuit design. And, yeah, you know, like my work is like typing code into a into Mathematica and like hoping that, you know, I get a graph out of it. But, but it could enable emission to neptune right but the elevator pitch is really cool you know yeah you're like oh well you know we can wirelessly implant chips into into our brains and everyone's like just, yes yes like but you know i don't really do that at work <laughs> <laughs> at least not in my day job yes yeah so it's always important to remember that i guess when you're reading this and it's interesting i you know you can almost like for every paper you read you can put it in like either camp some like some you're just like damn that's amazing new technology yeah. i guess it's engineering too versus like science yeah but. like the one we did about google's quantum computer yeah passing whatever you know threshold that they claimed and you're like quantum computing i don't understand at all uh i don't even understand the implications of quantum computing i don't mm -hmm. know why it matters to us but what's cool is that you hit a very important threshold this is like a technological milestone yeah you know and that's that's headline generating yes so anyway yeah well, I mean, this is open access, so people can definitely check it out for themselves. Uh, there's some neat like figures in it, like showing the actual meteorite and the samples that they took. And then there's also like a cool figure kind of showing kind of like diagrammatically how these samples were formed and where they may have come from on Mars and all that. Cool. Yeah. And if you are a geologist or a chemist and you see this shining merit that we missed, I don't think they've just made it this far ignorance. in the episode. <laughs> Well, if you have, let us know. Enlighten us. Feel free to do so on social media. If you aren't following us already, our handle is at paperboyspod 
um, or on Twitter, Instagram. We love hearing from fans. So feel free to shoot us a message. Also, you can check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash paperboyspod. We release an exciting bonus episode every single month. Last month, we talked about the Spanish flu. Very timely, given the current COVID-19 pandemic. Our bonus episode for this month is currently delayed, but for good reason. And it will be an exciting one about NASA's Apollo 13 mission. Yeah, I think we're going to record it in person wearing masks. So at an acceptable social distance. Acceptable social distance. Uh, but, you know, once the governor's orders are lifted, or maybe even before, as long as you guys don't tell anyone. <laughs> but, but that's one. You'll want to sign up for the uh, the video level of our Patreon, yes. which is at gravitational constant dollars per month. <laughs> Charlie, remind them what they get. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but seriously, um, our Patreon is a great way for you to support the show if you enjoy it. And uh, it's a great way for James and I to kind of like get get a little bit more back from from doing this and um we really enjoy the engagement that we have with our with our patrons and we really appreciate the support that they've given us so far um so go to that pie dollars a month gets you those bonus episodes they're a lot of fun to listen to they're longer than normal episodes we joke a lot more they're cool topics too yeah always always interesting topics um and hopefully you heard that stanford prison experiment episode a couple weeks back which was from a bonus episode yes well thank you so much for listening We hope you enjoyed the episode and will join us again next week for another exciting edition of Paper Boys. Thanks for listening.